Hi, I'm John. And I'm Paul. And this is the Minute Podcast. If you give a mouse a cookie, I'm pretty sure he'd write a book. But give us 60 seconds of footage, we'll still tell you where to look. With a concept this simplistic, I can't believe we brought it back. But give us just a minute, and we'll give you season two of the podcast. The Minute Podcast. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode. As you probably know by now, the Minute Podcast is a weekly conversation between John and myself where we review a listener-submitted minute of content completely out of context, or at least usually completely out of context. John, what are we looking at today? Today we're discussing a minute of 1992's Under Siege, submitted by a friend of the show, Mango. All right, and you should check out his show, Some Derps Play Games, if you like or talk about games. Fuck, what's his show called, John? Uh, Some Derps Talk About Games. All right, and you should check out his show, Some Derps Talk About Games. A lot of fun if you like video games and gaming-related stuff. But, John, uh, this is a little bit different than our usual episode because we did an episode a few weeks ago on Under Siege 2. Why are we doing Under Siege 1 now? What's up Uh, with that? Because we want to know the whole, you know, legacy of of the the story, the epic that we, uh, you know, unraveled in Under Siege 2. So now we yeah. we get to go back and and realize the full spectrum of Steven Seagal. <laughs> well, yeah, and we think it might be funny uh knowing the sequel a little bit now. Well, one minute of it, but not yes. the original. I don't I don't think it gives us too much help. Nope. It does right. not. <laughs> cool. And uh, this week's episode before we get into it is brought to you by Zit Recruiter. Do you have problems finding the perfect pimple to fill that hard roll on your face? Well, Zit Recruiter's here for you. You can use their user-friendly website to recruit all kinds of zits. Big ones, little ones, really red ones. 99% of users received a qualified zit within only 24 hours. So visit <laughs> zitrecruiter.com slash minute for a 10% discount on your first recruit today. Do you, like, hang the certification on on the zit? Well, I, I feel like you hang... The whole service is bacon based and you just hang that on your face okay. and that's, I, I don't know. So it's not, it's not for, you know, vegans. No, ha- hashtag not for vegans. <laughs> not for John, vegans. What's your level of familiarity with Under Siege 1? Okay, so I thought I might have seen Under Siege 2 and I still might have. Like, frankly, like sometimes when you're on TNT, you just see an action movie on occasion, especially at like three in the morning as a teenager. But, mm-hmm. uh, and TNT is not a drug. I mean, TNT, the, the Turner Network something, I don't know, channel. Uh, and, uh, now I have absolutely no idea if I've seen either of these movies. Uh, because I certainly don't remember the not safe for TV, uh, stripper scene, which <laughs> I guess, spoiler yeah. alert. Uh, Which might so, be the only thing you'd remember from your teenage years of oh, watching. Oh, absolutely. This. It would be the highlight of the film. Uh, so I have no idea. I doubt I've seen this film. Probably not. But at the same time, maybe? Yeah, same. I don't think I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so to, to keep us in the Under Siege mindset, here is the review of Under Siege 2, the minute <laughs> we saw, or the quick intro to it, really. Uh, yeah. Steven Seagal walks through a restaurant with his chef friend, and he seems to be very popular. So that was the last last time in the future. Yeah. And in he's, he's kind of snarky. Yeah. He was very snarky, true. Mm-hmm. In this scene, we don't know if he's snarky. He doesn't really say much. But Steven's on a boat. He walks through... Uh, well, he seems to be on a boat. 
He walks through a room with some dead guys in it, he shoves an oversized cake out of the way, and a dancer jumps out of that cake. Yes. Uh, okay, so we're going to do a script read, Paul? We are, and John, I thought you could do the music throughout in the background, okay. and I would play the part of Mr. Seagal. Okay. Okay. Dong. Dong, dong, dong. Dong, 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 Whoa, shut the music off. Okay. It's pretty accurate. Yep. Not too much happens in this scene. John, let's get it out of the way, though, right at the, uh, right at the start. She is not this dancer. She's not fully topped when she comes out of this game. <laughs> she is not fully topped. She is she is almost topless. I was um, going to say topless, but she is wearing a uh, sailor's jacket of some kind, which at times tops her. It's like a cropped. Yeah, it's like a cropped sailor's jacket. Uh, it's uh, thematic, you know, thematically appropriate stripper. Um, I think it's safe to assume she's a stripper, even though we don't see her actually removing any clothes. Uh, we see her almost safe, yeah. removing clothes. Yeah. John, I, I think let's talk about the scene a little bit mm-hmm. that we um, see before she jumps out of the cake. I mean, it, it's in a fairly large room. Yep. There are card tables set up all around and what look like the remnants of a party or the remnants of people setting up for a party. Yep. Uh, there is a happy birthday sign in the yep. background. Happy uh, birthday, Skipper. Yep. Happy birthday, Skipper. <laughs> like what's a sailor name (laughs) skipper all right let's do that Mm -hmm. um but yeah and uh and there's just a a big old cake like a Mm -hmm. like a larger than human size cake in the middle of the room near a doorway that okay paul i just gotta say i really sort of sympathized uh here with uh, Steven Seagal, because he sees the cake, he sees that it's got wheels, he doesn't mm-hmm. have to roll it across the room. But, you see that cake, you see all the dead guys, nobody's gonna know, you kinda wanna just kick the cake across the room, right? I mean, you would, I also think that it was blocking the doorway he was trying to go through. Just a little bit. Just like a little, could, enough that you, you'd it. shove it. Yeah, he could have, yeah. but he's a—he doesn't take that kind of guff from it's a cake. It's true. I don't think his legs go closer together than like uh, shoulder width. So, no, nah, he's always wearing a gusset. Yeah, exactly. I have no idea what a gusset is, but I'm going to let's, let's that not afterwards. get into it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the uh, and and when he does shove the cake out of the way, uh, this is when uh, this woman comes in, and so does all of the butt rock that comes out of this birthday cake. I assume all of the butt rock. Yeah, well, so it seems like when you shove this cake is her <laughs> cue to hit the play button and jump out, as if the party was supposed to be going on around her. She'd get shoved into the middle of the room, and that's how yeah. she knows, right? Yeah, uh, that's kind of what's confusing about it is because presumably the cake is already in this room when everyone died, right? Like, she didn't, like... Yeah. Yeah, so that means that they wheeled her into this room. Like, she didn't get into the cake in this room because that's where all the people are. So she was nope. wheeled into this room through bulkheads <laughs> somehow. Well, okay, so so two things there. One, I don't think there's actually any bulkheads in this scene. I think they're all just normal-looking doors. So this is, like, potentially a really cheap recreation of a boat. 
Okay. Of a, like a proper shape. I thought that the door right behind the birthday cake was a bulkhead. I guess maybe I might have been wrong. That think... one could have been a bulkhead. I I know no, the first door he goes. It's, it's yeah, it's the first door he goes through is definitely not a bulkhead. Yeah, I guess maybe it's not a boat. I mean, there's a boat on the on the movie poster or whatever. No, it's it's a boat. It's definitely supposed to be a boat. Okay, so it's supposed to be a boat. It's just a fancy boat that doesn't trip you. <laughs> I think that's not a very good boat. But but the second thing is my theory for how she got in the room in the cake is that they had to bring the cake in in pieces because the doors, even if they're not bulkheads, are still too small oh, yeah, to yeah. get a big cake through. So uh, someone, as part of setting up for the party, I'm assuming several hours ago, did set up the cake and have her get in before the skipper oh, was man. in the room, I guess. That really sucks. So yeah, that, so, that, that's my first question. How long has she been in this cake? <laughs> I mean... Long enough for all of the lights to go out, everyone around her to be murdered, and then forget that everyone around her was murdered? <laughs> That's the second question, is yeah. how could it be that she's still in let-me-jump-out-of-the-cake mode? Yeah. Like, did, did she not hear the murdering? You would think that the cake would not be absolutely soundproof. No. Uh, because you would uh, assume that there would be some sort of, like trigger or hint that she should jump out of the cake other than just being shoved into the middle of the room mm. uh it doesn't feel osha safe to like have her jump out while it's shoved you know that feels no. feels wrong uh i don't know there's a lot of things that could go wrong with this and somehow when everyone died she had no idea uh what was going on here i do have a theory ish like this isn't a real theory but is it possible everyone died from some sort of noxic noxic gas nox noxic what the (laughs) what the heck word am i trying to say paul noxious 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 gas and she was (laughs) saved by the the cake cake you know it's it's possible but i think we see somebody with a big pool of blood by their head on the ground so i don't think that's what happened what i think's happening Mm-hmm. is we, we see Steven Seagal with his little um, submachine gun thing with a big silencer on it. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming whoever came through and did all the murdering also had a silencer on his gun, which ah. should not should not be enough to prevent her from hearing like pop, 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 little pops. And, then and also people, people screaming. Falling over. There was a lot yeah. of people. You don't just yeah. like go into a room and silently kill like 13 people. <laughs> No, but I guess that's how we're suspending disbelief, unless we have other theories, which maybe we're baking into the, uh, you know, yep. theory section later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> I I do like some of the questions. Uh, like, you know, she does not realize for a while that everyone is dead around her and that Steven Seagal is standing in front of her with a gun. The other thing is, is that Steven Seagal is really unhappy with her. Uh, about this when she is just an innocent stripper in a side of a cake. Although he's also a consummate professional, his eyes stay up. Yep, that's very true. well. He is not. Uh, it is simply the film that is sexualizing her, and not not Steven Seagal's character, I guess. So we definitely can... not. Well, John, you, you said that she doesn't notice the dead bodies are him for a while after she jumps out, mm-hmm. and that's true because because her eyes are closed, which. Yep. I don't know, is that just because it's supposed to be brighter in the room than in the dark cake, so she doesn't want to be blinded? Or why do you think her eyes are closed for so long? <laughs> I do long? like the very, practical, the very practical explanation of, like, well, you know, in stripper theory, 
Uh, you don't want to just go out there with your eyes open, or you will be blind for a short time. Best to get your eyes used to it before opening them completely. Uh which is absolutely true. I mean, that's why pirates have the patch, right? It's so that one it's, eye is always uh, yeah. able to see in the dark. Also, um, if you get poked in the eye. Yep. It's it's both. It works for both. It really is both. John, okay, the, the, the other question I have about the stripper cake is, do people really do this? I, I You see it in movies all the time, but I've obviously never seen anyone jump out of a cake. Have you? No, I've never seen anybody jump out of a cake. I have to assume this is done by somebody. Like, there's no way that nobody, no rich person has ever been like, you know what would be, <laughs> you know what absolutely does not exist and will never exist? Somebody jumping out of a cake naked. Uh, there's got to be a service for that. There there must be, yeah. But yeah. It's, it's one of these things where if it didn't happen in movies, I really don't think it would happen in real life ever. That's very true. It's not something that I think is, I mean, somebody jumping out of a giant cake is hilarious. So clowns, yes. Uh, strippers, it just doesn't seem that sexy to me. Like, but then again, there's all sorts of sexy. So who knows? Yeah, I guess this also does harken back to the pre-internet era where maybe the only way to see someone topless was to hire them to jump out of a cake that way. <laughs> but follow-up question, John. What do you think are the best and worst things to jump out of a cake. Let's say we are at your bachelor party. Okay. It's going to be great. Uh, There's going to be a big thing, cake. Worst thing? Yeah. Clown. I already mentioned clown. <laughs> that would clown be the would be worst bad. thing. Yeah. Always. Best thing? Another cake. Mmm. Yeah. Ah, because so, it's jumping out of a cake you can't eat. Yes, it's exactly. A decorative cake and then a real life cake, like one that I can consume completely, jumps out of it. Like maybe some like just sheets of cake that are already conveniently cut. <laughs> Sure. So we don't have to waste any time getting that into my belly. Uh, and maybe an extra sheet of brownies just for some diversity in there. That's a good how, answer. I how like about that. you, Paul? What, what, what do you want popping out of a cake? I think the best thing would be a B-list celebrity. Oh. Who's like, not, not there to do anything weird. They're not dancing. They're not stripping. They're just there to hang out. So like you're Gilbert at Godfried. my... I was thinking a little more Fred Savage, but yeah. Okay, Fred Savage. Okay, I someone see jumps that. out and they're just like, "Hi, I've been hired to hang out at your bachelor party. How yeah. how are you?" I dig it. Uh, so, Paul, you are about to get married in a few months. True. Is this you, like Loki, asking me to find Fred Savage? <laughs> <laughs> as Im as impressive as that would be, uh, no, my brother is in charge of planning it, and he's he's not gonna follow through on that kind of fred savage okay, so you're low-key asking me to tell your brother that you want fred savage at <laughs> how much do you think it would cost to get fred savage to hang out for a couple hours uh Is i don't know anything? but i can find out paul <laughs> please uh, don't i'm fairly certain he's on tv yeah uh i also think he lives on the other side of the country like most okay. actors do that's yeah that makes sense let's yep. not do this then okay okay so we won't we won't invite wink wink Fred Savage to the to the to the party. Friend of the show, Fred Savage. John, is there anything else we should talk about in this clip? I mean we've talked about the dancing, we've talked about the room, how the bulkhead doors are regular doors, which seems yeah. weird, but what do I know about boats? So I think one of the things is that we now see like a motif that's coming across in these films. And the motif mm. is moving through uh rooms. Uh, because so far, both minutes have involved a lot of walking through rooms 
And well, so I think yeah. I think that's a major theme of these movies, and I think it's going to play a lot into uh, into what we talk about later. That is either an astute observation or one of the dumber things we've ever said, John. <laughs> I don't know which. Okay, well, you know, it could be both. It could, um, you know, it could be both. There you go. That's uh, very funny. So, right, John, jumping into what our theories are, then I thought we should briefly recap our theories from Under Siege Two. All right. So, so I, I I can go first since I've yes, got mine written do. out here. Uh, it, last time, my theory was that Casey, which as we learned then but don't know now, but it's probably still Steven Seagal's name. Um, <laughs> probably what? still. Yeah, there's the name change yeah. scene near the end of the film. Though. It's very dramatic, and we see it in the next scene. Yeah, uh, But no, so I thought Casey was a secret agent who had just retired and opened up this restaurant, and he wants to retire, but he has to first take the president's daughter, whose parents are dead for some reason, mm-hmm. across the country, and has to keep her safe with the use of slow karate throughout the film. Okay. Uh, so mine was the... I don't remember if I had the president's daughter in mind, but I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that from you, because I like the president's daughter theory. Mm-hmm. So mine is that the president's daughter... Uh, has to go to her only living relatives on the other side of the country, and she's phobic of flying because so far none of the Under Siege movies have taken place on any flying thing. Uh, yep. So, because we got boat and train, all right? So, clearly, terrestrial traveling. Uh, mm-hmm. and, so, uh, and so we are uh, escorting the president's daughter across the country in the train, uh, and the terrorists take over the train and they do it while inside of a tunnel. And so like they take over the train and then it's sort of like a die hard sort of thing, uh, where Steven Seagal has to get to the front or the back of the train, uh, and, and, you know, to save the day basically to keep them from ramming it into another train. Sure. Let's do that. Sure. Yeah. All right, so as you said, a lot of transit through spaces. I wonder, wonder yeah. if there's really something. I think there. travel is a theme. Wow, John, do you want to give us your theory for Under Siege One? Then yes. Okay, so <clears throat> Casey has been assigned the task of rescuing the uh, president's estranged daughter, uh, who now works as a uh, professional stripper, and she has just gotten her first big gig on the uh the USS something and he has to get there as quickly as possible to save her from you know this you know very drastic life change from being the president's daughter to a stripper and instead gets wrangled up into a terrorist plot to take over I assume Russian a Russian plot to take over the ship and turn it into a nuclear bomb that has a lot of parallels with my theory as well, actually. Oh, does it? I did not it read does. your theory. Well, in my theory, Casey is still a secret agent, but he has taken a job as the cook on this ship. Mm. So that's where he learns his culinary skills that he uses in the next film. Gotcha. And he has been assigned here to keep the president's daughter safe. She is, in my world, not a professional stripper, but is having an affair with the skipper, and she's, like, gone off to sea as his mistress. Gotcha. The ship is taken over by pirates, and we don't learn until later in the film that she's actually one of the pirates. She's hiding in oh. this cake in order to get in touch with Steven, because that, that's how she didn't... That, 
that follows Care the people the are dead around theory. her. Yeah. Yeah. And in the end, we learn that the pirates are Russian, as you said. Yep. And she's actually one of them, though. So see. we see her having been brainwashed by the Russians, oh. mostly using her teenage angst. She's mad at her dad, who is the president. Damn. And in the end, they rehabilitate her and get her into witness protection, which is what he's doing in the second film, is getting the now rehabilitated oh, president's daughter cross-country into hiding. Fuck, Paul. That's a good movie. Maybe. I want, I want to see that movie. Well, That's, can we recommend both of these films, John? Uh, I think I, think both I of these can recommend good. your film. I think my film's just like fucking garbage in comparison. I think your film's fucking wicked. I think they'd both be pretty good, though. Yeah. I mean, I think mine would be okay to watch on TNT on a Thursday. But, uh, but like, I actually would pay, you know, the 12 bucks to go to the theater to see that movie. Can you imagine the poster that would try to convey that whole plot, though? <laughs> well, all the poster is is uh, Steven Seagal's fat head above a, <laughs> in the sky above a ship. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yes, I can't conceive of a poster. Yeah. Uh, I go. imagine it's just like uh, him, uh, the president's like like a sort of Star Wars esque, like you know the the prequels, how it's just a bunch of floating heads. So I imagine it's like basically that with with uh all of the main characters there's got to be a charismatic russian terrorist right oh yeah yeah turns out it's the president's daughter <laughs> damn wow what a twist man all i'm right. gonna be disappointed if i ever do watch these movies because i've had a lot of fun talking about them and i have no idea how good they are I'm i'm sure they're fine and i guess as with almost every other thing we talk about if it sounds like your kind of thing yeah go ahead watch it it's probably yeah. good enough yeah, yeah. Slow karate is always good. Always good. Easy to follow. You don't get too scared or confused. Yep. Oh, and obligatory. Oh. Uh, Steven Seagal is probably a jerk or a monster. One of the two. So. Oh yeah, I, th I think yeah. he works for Russian strongmen as their personal musician or, <laughs> yeah, or something so, like that. Yeah. So uh, so just a reminder. <laughs> so don't actually go see this in a theater unless it's like I don't know secondhand film or something. Or just download it from the CD underbelly of the internet. Yep. Or you probably right. already pay for it on Netflix. <laughs> I'm assuming. Well, but that's, yeah, that's probably true, too. All right. Great. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Minute Podcast. If you like what you heard, that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing this with your time? <laughs> because they love what they hear. Well, if you love what you hear, leave <laughs> us a review on iTunes, uh, retweet us on the internet, or... Get in touch with us on the various social media platforms at Plug and Missing, or I guess you could email us at nope at minutepod. That's the other <laughs> podcast. Sorry. Or reach out to us at the minutepodcast at gmail.com. Or just, you know, find us in real life, give us a high five. That would be weird. As always, this episode was hosted by Paul Reberg and John Ward, produced by John with theme music by me. Come back next week and we're gonna ask you. Uh dun da da dun. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap, you made it to the end, we'll be back next week to do it all again. Until then, be well and be sure to take a minute. The Minute Podcast. <laughs>